This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Don't move from um, this place, the spirit of where we're at, because uh, um, when when the team had us saying the name of Jesus and repeating the name of Jesus and... Um, the spirit of that isn't changing because we're going into a time of the ministry of the word that because Jesus, the living word is Jesus and Jesus is the living word. And so anything that comes to any of us from the ministry of the written word um, or the spoken word in a teaching a time, that is God coming to us. So you know, these are the things I think that even in this school, we can kind of lean into getting less and less compartmentalized with our thinking that this is the worship time and then this is the teaching time. Wednesdays is our time when our community comes together and Jesus is with us in all different types of forms. And it's all for our good. It's all for our growth. It's all for life. Um of a superior quality. You know, we see things like that in scripture, um, life of a superior quality that, you know, there's an enemy that fights against us, but there is a good God who comes to, to give us life of a superior quality. But then I think sometimes we have preconceived ideas of what superior quality is. And, um, and I think sometimes, um, sometimes we, we lean into, okay, God, make make the superior quality come into view. And so there are ways that God instructs us and guides us and nurtures our hearts so that we can realize we are such powerful beings that we play a major role in Him being able to manifest the superior life form. Amen? He paid for it with His blood. But then... The, the proverb says, there is a way that seems so right. And yet, according to God's pattern, it's a way of death. Um, we were given a mind <clears throat> that can have very rational thinking. Can somebody just get lights? Cause we, there's a beautiful flow here, but, um, Sometimes a piece of God can cause people to go to sleep. <laughs> no condemnation. If you need sleep that bad, I would say get it. Um, but I think this is, this is some of what, what's happening right now really is the aspect of God saying, I'm going to instruct you. I'm going, no matter how much instruction you've already had, no matter how much guidance, no matter how long you've been in God, um, he's that big. He's that vast. And vast has been a word that has captivated me for a couple of months now. Um, Abel was leading staff prayer this particular week, and he brought some scriptures for us to ponder on in our time. And in one of the translations, it spoke about the vastness of Jesus the Christ. And I, like, inside that scripture just struck me. There's so much of him to experience and learn about. There's, have I learned wonderful things? Do I have knowledge? Yes, but there's more. And there's, there's the more places that he would like to take me in with things I currently know. You know, things I currently know can broaden 
This is what's so glorious about God is there is no end to his beauty, to his goodness, to the things that he can minister to us. And so that's where we're at now um, in so is unhindered trust. Please each week come open and ready. I mean, that's what you all feel like. I'm in the prayer time. Can't you tell like hearts are open, man? It's God is doing stuff beyond our wildest dreams. I love it. I, I love that hearts are just expressing. You see, this is what the word does to us and through us. The word causes us to be unashamed, unafraid to release life. And I think more and more in the body of Christ, and particularly in churches with a lot of knowledge, a lot of decades of teaching, he's, he's adjusting our perspectives to recognize truth. You know, I can't answer for anybody but me, but I, I've observed a lot in the length of time I've been here. And a lot of times we recognize God moving when he moves in a way we're familiar with. Right? And so sometimes we think, mm, and so we guard, you know, because the Bible does say, guard your heart with all diligence, right? It doesn't mean put up walls. But sometimes I have put walls up with the doctrine I currently understand so that I don't step into error. But what, what I've learned with me, it's caused me to not recognize the broadening of truth, in particular truths that I've, I've got an inkling of, but God wants to give me a more abundant life by fully expressing that. And some of that is to see Jesus. We like just Jesus himself to walk up in front of us. But when I look at y'all, Jesus is sitting in front of me right now. We are the embodiment of Christ, right? So um, I want to encourage you guys as, as we delve further into um, this aspect of, of trust, of faith, even the word faith, sometimes um, that can be daunting. You know, you, you, you hear people say, well, just strengthen your faith. You know, or, well, you didn't see that because you, your faith wasn't strong enough. And some of those things are just so discouraging. Can't they be discouraging? It's like, seriously, like you're not walking where I'm walking. And that's true. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute because nobody else is walking where you walk. They may have walked in a similar thing at some point, but nobody has your exact history in upbringing, in theology, in whatever. And so some of our perspectives have been nurtured in us, some the right way and some not. You know, I was taught that healing passed away, that all that stuff was to prove that Jesus was God. So I had to unlearn some things before I could go further. So if you find yourself in a place where you are unlearning some stuff, say glory to God. Because sometimes there's things that stop what he wants to do in my life. Okay, so I want to do um, a little bit of, um, I taught before, Pastor Abel taught last week, and so some of my stuff will probably take off on his a little bit, because he talked about, you know, exploring your promises, but I want to take that, but then take it a step back, and what do you do to know you're getting promises from God? Like, how do you know? Because this is something that I learned, 
years ago here is that when you really want to know that God is speaking to you and recognize his voice, you have to know certain aspects from scripture or you don't recognize his voice. And for me, I had been taught some things wrong before I came here. So there were some things God had been trying to say to me, but I had no place for it to land. So that's some of why in so, yes, tonight was beautiful time of worship. I've told you guys this before. I'm such a worshiper that there are times that I would rather just keep going and worship. I love worship. I want musical worship. I like songs. Um, songs even started in our prayer time. And so I'm like, oh, yes, let's just worship, worship, worship. But at the same time, there's the stirring inside me that says, I'm setting some things up with this type of worship and even the focus on the name of Jesus, because the name of Jesus is is why we now have a privilege to come to biblical truth and understand what God is speaking to man. That's pretty big, guys. To be able to know what the God of creation wants you to know. He speaks our language. That's why Jesus came. Okay, so some review. Just a couple of points from when I taught week before last. Um, it's not always adverse circumstances um, that mess us up, okay? So often the pressure on our life is not as much the circumstance itself as our perspective and perceptions of that, okay? Do you understand that? There is an enemy, and I brought this out last time I taught. A lot of people don't realize there is an enemy. Now, I want to clarify, because I'm not one who likes to all the time give props to demons and the devil. But he does exist, Jesus said. There is an enemy arrayed against you. So he wasn't hiding the fact that there's some yuck on the planet. What what I would like to say that can help some people, because some people are like, spirits? Ew. You know, and they get freaky Sometimes what the enemy has started is some messed up understanding way back in our generations. I mean, I was raised in a denomination that had some messed up perspectives on the truth of God. And so I was indoctrinated. Say it's not wrong. Indoctrination is not wrong if you're indoctrinated with the truths of God, because doctrine simply means teaching. So to be brought into the teachings of the actual spirit of God is a good thing. Not a bad thing. So I'm thankful for some of the indoctrination I've gotten here. However, even something that's good, the enemy would love to mess with it and make you afraid to step too far to either side or the other of even the good doctrines. In other words, he'll make you think, and some of it can come from history. You know, just like God spreads seed, so does the enemy. So that's one of the reasons we're looking at trust because we have, some of us have patterns in our life of how we perceive life or the planet or the bad that's happening on the planet. We, ha- we perceive it a certain way. And so then we misuse the power of our existence, the power of how we're built. I'm going to tell you, pay attention, come on Sundays with your Bible in whatever form, if you use the book, if you use electronic, whatever, but bring your Bible and bring a piece of paper or make notes in your phone because Pastor Gavin's going to be teaching some things that I believe are going to be totally coinciding with what's going on. And so it's going to, it's going to, I believe it's going to be really good. Really. Can I get anybody to agree with me? Yeah. Amen. That's all I need is one person. So I got lots more than one. 
But there, there are ways. So we're going to learn some things about the enemy. We're not going to get all freaked out thinking demons are all around us. And yet there, there is an influence on the planet that's very much against the movement of the word of God. Okay. It's not personal. He's not like saying, Oh, I hate Kathy. A lot of people teach that kind of stuff. And those kind of things just mess with me. I don't, I don't want to look constantly be like, I gotta watch out. Paranoia is not of God. Okay. Freedom and liberty and confidence. Trust is of God. Is there evil on the planet? Yes, there is. But is God bigger than evil? Absolutely. Is God in me? Absolutely. Will God guide me of how to handle my life when some of those evil things are literally on my path and a part of my story? Absolutely. Because he's a faithful God, right? Sometimes I don't feel like he's being faithful. Anybody ever been there? Okay. So there are ways, because of patterns we've learned, maybe misguided patterns, there are ways we let darkness into our experiences in casual but powerful ways. That's why it's imperative to learn the ways of God. So I told you all that over the next weeks, months probably, at least months, uh, we're going to look at the ways of God. How are humans ordained to walk in truth? What does it look like personally? And that's what I really want you to delve into is not just what do we as teachers say to you on Wednesday nights, but get with God and say, how is what Kathy's teaching tonight? Go home and ask him, how is that supposed to affect where I'm at, God? If there's something that lights you up, a particular scripture, make a note of that. Go home and sit with God in that scripture. Because sometimes he just sparks an energy, just like in our prayer time, there was different divine energy released from different people as they stepped out in faith. Okay? So God wants to do that with us. He wants to stimulate us to step out and trust, oh, wow, you want to give me more insight here. Okay? Cool? Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, here's another note. In so, in in looking at faith and looking at this aspect of unhindered trust, um, and tonight I'm calling it the disciplines of faith, because there are disciplines. You know, if, if you want to learn a new something at work, you have to submit to disciplines to learn this new aspect of your job. If you want to exercise a certain way, eat a different way, um, if you're going to have children and you never had them before, there's new disciplines when you have a family, right? So anything you do, there are disciplines attached to success, You guys with me? Because I think sometimes we love the liberty and we want to just run around free and um, just like little children, they can be free, mommy and daddy do everything. Then I keep seeing this one meme on Instagram and it's um, when I finally moved out and had my own place, I realized there actually was food in the house I didn't have to go out. (laughs) You know, because now I'm buying the food. So yeah, I don't have to go out to eat every night. Mom was right. Okay, so when we do all this, we're not putting feelings about the facts. Okay, hear what I'm saying. We're not putting feelings about the facts where life is icky. We're not putting that aside when we talk about having real God-given trust or faith. We're not putting the facts aside. Okay, don't, don't think that any faith teaching is making light of how life actually feels. It's pretty funky sometimes. Anybody? Right, we're on a planet that has some stuff going on. We are simply subjugating our feelings and the facts to a higher law. 
to a higher law. We could say a higher force, a higher power. That takes discipline. Let me talk to you for just a second about higher laws. Um, gravity is a law of nature, okay? That's a law of nature. You jump off a building, you're going down, okay? I mean, even like if there was no gravity when we lifted our feet, we'd just start going up in the air. Your foot, even as you take a step, your foot goes down because of gravity. I mean, it's, it's a really simple law, but it works. Until some men discovered there was a higher law. It's called lift and thrust. The Wright brothers didn't invent lift and thrust. They discovered it. What have you not discovered yet? What regarding the miraculous or what you want to believe God for, what have you just not discovered yet? But it's there. Everything that we can experience on the planet, it's already in God. He's already intended it for us. Why do you think that he created man eternal? Man was not created immortal. Man was created eternal. In other words, in the beginning, man didn't have to die. God gave him choice. Man chose a lower, lower law. He stepped out of the law of the anointed one and his anointing and life, and he stepped into the law of sin and death. Remember, sin is not the deed. It's separation from God. When we separate from God in our thinking and our perception of my, what's happening in my life, I can fall. I don't really fall away from God, but in my thinking, I can fall away from the gracing to be able to handle that situation with the power of God. So that's the aspect of laws. There are laws. God is not legalistic. However, he is law-abiding. There are laws, spiritual laws, that we have the privilege to bring into this realm. During worship, I, I had a... I don't want to say it was a feeling, but I became aware it was as if God was taking the two realms and just bringing with heart and with with our worship and our um, openness as his children, he was bringing some realms together. God wants to bring realms together for you so that you don't exist in a material world, believing spiritual things, but having no idea how to get them from there to here. Because all of the truths of God, they live in you. If Holy Spirit lives in you, the omniscient one lives in you. We have access to whatever we need. So we're going to explore over these next months, what does it really mean for me personally to walk trusting God? What does trust look like when evil steps on my path, when things don't manifest the way they should? Y'all with me? Okay, let's go to... Um, Proverbs 18. I'm going to throw a bunch of scripture out tonight. I've got 33 minutes to do it, give or take. Um, and I'm going to throw some scriptures out because the word of God literally brings light. The word of God brings light and light dispels darkness. And if, if you feel like darkness just keeps coming back, keep turning the light on. It's that simple. Keep turning the light on. When the situation or your thinking or your feelings, you feel like the light went out, just turn it back on. Go back to a scripture. Pick the Bible up and read anything in red. Yeah. 
anything in red because we know that nothing came out of Jesus except love and passion and a willingness to say, I understand where you're at. I lived on the planet too. You with me? Okay, so Proverbs 18, um, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I'm going to read a lot from the Passion tonight because as I looked at um, both the New King James, which is my very favorite, uh, and the Passion, I just felt like there were things that literally were what I felt like, the way God wanted to say some things. So Proverbs 18, 20, and 21 in the Passion, it says, sharing words of wisdom is satisfying to your inner being. Sharing words of wisdom is satisfying to your inner being. It encourages you to know that you've changed someone else's life. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. You want to know one of the greatest lies on the planet? Our mothers used to tell us this. Sticks and stones can break our bones, but words will never hurt us. It's one of the greatest lies ever told on the planet to a child. That's not true. Words can crush us. Words stick with us our entire lives. Some of us have had words spoken to us by authority figures or our own parents or a friend or a loved one or somebody we thought we were falling in love with and that crushed us and wrecked us for life. There are people that come to us and need sozos or counseling or just for relief from things that have been said to them that have torn them apart. And you see, because words are seeds, they can echo inside. They echo and echo and echo. So it's not just sharing our words with other people, but you hear you more than you hear anybody else. So your words are so powerful that they can kill you or bring you life. Say no condemnation. We're sitting in a classroom, right? We're learning. We, I want to learn. I don't just want to teach. I want to learn. I want to learn. And that, that's where I'm finding, like, even today, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I know, you know, I learned particular scriptures in the New King James, and um, that's one of the truest to the original language, just for piece of information. But I was like, how do you want the people to hear? And I felt like he said, read some of these things from the passion because there is a more common language. Sometimes people can catch something more. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way, and I said this to you earlier, that seems right to a man, but it's the way of death. So there's some ways that we've been told, you know, don't be stupid. Don't just be ultra spiritual. Be rational. You need to look at this situation rationally. That could be a path of death. If it takes you away from where God wants to build and strengthen you in trusting him. I'm not saying throw your rational mind away because he gave us both. He gave us a left and a right brain. You know, like I used to be, everybody was like, oh, I just want to be right brain and flow with Jesus. Do you know that you can flow right into a ditch when all you got's a right brain? You can think you're in the spirit and not know what spirit you're in. I'm just saying, because, you know, yes, the Holy Ghost reveals this to me, but my intellect goes to these scriptures. And I read, I'm able to read because I have a left brain. I'm just saying that, you know, let's honor how we're actually made. Okay, so so there's a way that seems right. That's If you're taking notes, that's Proverbs 14, 12. Now let's go to... Um, <laughs> Hold tight, because we're going to go to James chapter 3. 
You want to know about how powerful your tongue is? Okay. And again, I'm going to read in the Passion. So James chapter 3. Hold tight. Don't buckle your seatbelt. In fact, I would say unbuckle your seatbelt. Let it throw you around a little bit. I think I'm, I'm so persuaded. We need to let the word throw us around a little bit. Like we need to let it shake us up and say like, whoa, seriously. Because I think that those of us that are in church all the time, we're just like, oh yeah, the word of God. And we hear it every Sunday. And Pastor Gavin says this and that. And isn't that wonderful? Pastor Gavin gets with God to see what to feed. He doesn't just throw out some cliche thing. And, and so that's where we have to say, this is the word of the living God. This is God communicating himself to me. What a privilege, guys. He wants me to understand what, how he is. He's not saying, like, I just want to be a mystery to you, and you just better obey. That's not relationship. Okay, so James chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 12. Um, so... Grab a hold. Put your antennas out there. My dear brothers and sisters, don't be so eager to become, <laughs> for any of you that think you're teachers, listen to this one. Don't be so eager to become a teacher in the church since you know that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. Not meaning like God's going to put judgment on us, but we are held accountable for what we bring. That's why I don't, it's not a casual thing to me to come and teach you guys. It's not a casual thing to me when God speaks to me about what is going to be taught next in the school of word and worship. That's serious business to me. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. Wow. That's pretty cool. Like if we can control how we talk. And you know, the beginning of controlling how we talk is how we think. Because Jesus taught in Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if a bunch of crazies going on in my head all the time and I never shut it up, it's going to come out my mouth. It's going to. I'm going to have a situation that rises up in front of me and I'm going to be like, and it's going to come flowing out. Anybody ever done that? Like in the private, you know, like nobody's around. You're like, there's no pastors around. It's not the school of word and worship. And I'm just getting this off my chest. Now, it's not to say that you can't find somebody you can trust and say, I got a nauseated inside and I need to puke. I, I let people puke with me. And then we say, okay, now how does recovery come in this situation? Because I got to puke sometimes and I got people I trust that I puke with. Y'all understand what I mean by that? Sometimes we got to get some things off our chest. But you better make sure you're getting things off your chest with somebody who will tell you the truth of how to get rid of the nausea, not exacerbate the nausea. I mean, I've had people. They would go all the way into full-on flu, spiritually with me from my gut. And I was happy to have them at the time, which was the way of death. So if you, if you handle your words, you're able to control yourself in every way. Um, let me find back. Powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue, I mean, James is going to teach, like, get a revelation. 
Your tongue can give you life or death. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Great power. Some things were said tonight in prayer that stirred the movement of God. People were speaking words out of their trust of God, sharing their hearts from the spirit of the living God. And it stirred us. And it it preceded us going into some pretty phenomenal worship time, right? Yeah. Powerful energy. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. Think about it. It doesn't have to be a big torch. You go to California during the dry season and literally, I mean, not that I want to smoke a cigarette, but smoke a cigarette and just flick an ash out of your car. You can set the entire place ablaze and they won't be able to get it in wraps for months. Why? Power. The power of that spark. God is not ignorant of how he inspired this book to be written so that we would grasp your tongue has that kind of power. You can set, just think about wrong language. Think about some of the things that are being said about the embodiment of Christ out in the world right now that were this and that and the other. Some forest fires are being set. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. But remember, that wasn't God's intention. God is not confessing that the tongue was meant to be evil. The tongue was meant to set things ablaze with the goodness of God, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. There is that flame that can burn things down and do horrible things, and then there is a purifying flame. Think about when gold is being purified. That's a purifying flame. It's not destroying the gold. It's purifying the gold. There are things on this planet that would be purified by our tongues. Where does it start? In our own lives. In our own scary experiences. How do we learn to help others with their scary experiences or their... Um, disturbing or disillusioning experiences, we deal with our own. We take the word and we say, Lord, how do I handle disappointment? How do I handle um, sickness and disease? How do I walk in your truth when I don't believe you're doing anything? So it can be the most dangerous part of the body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. But that's when it's set on fire by evil, okay? By the stuff that is a path of death, not life. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land, have all been overpowered and tamed by humans, but the tongue is not able to be tamed. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. 
Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go to pick figs from a grapevine? Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. All of this teaching that James is doing is he's wanting there to be an understanding. If we're going to affect our words, then we're going to have to allow our language to be influenced by the language of God. The beautiful thing is that God's not wanting to indoctrinate all of us with just this one language where we all have to look like cloned Christian people that just look squeaky clean and cute and pretty. And we go to church on Sunday and we give our tithes and we don't cuss and we don't drink and we don't do this and we don't do that. All the don'ts. Don't this and don't that so that you can prove you're a Christian. And yet we'll be doing some of these things, praising God on Sundays and and cursing people. You do understand that a curse is more than a four-letter word. That is not even really what God's talking about. God's talking about words that produce death as opposed to life. Okay? He's not talking about, you know, somebody using a curse word. I'm not saying that foul language is the best thing to do, but um, probably all of us have either said one out loud or said it in our brain. I'm just saying. But the big thing is, do we get ourselves so lack of discipline that we're literally talking a bunch of trash all the time? Y'all with me? Okay, so that's James. Our tongue or words can start fires. What kind of fires do you want to start? Don't answer me here tonight. Let God show you. Say no condemnation. But let God show you. Let God sort of heighten how you hear your own self before it comes across your mouth, like in your brain. Like when I'm thinking crazy, I realize I'm thinking crazy. Jesus, I'm thinking crazy. I'm thinking crazy. And Jesus, you need to help me right this minute because I could rip that person limb from limb. You ever feel like, I mean, we feel like, we feel things like that. People work our last nerve. Come on, guys. We're human. We're human. I mean, right now the government might be working some people's nerves. But hear me. The Bible says pray for them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. I'm just saying. I'm going to step back from that because I don't want to get on a soapbox. It's, it's true, though. We're encouraged to pray for those in authority. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to Luke 8. Okay? I told you I was going to slam you with some scripture tonight. We're going to slam with some scripture. And I tell you, these, these scriptures... Like, I didn't think these up and think, oh, this looks cute. This goes together. This is, this is nice. I was sitting there preparing for tonight, sort of looking at the last time, and, and these things just came up in me. And then when I read them, I'm like, oh, wow, Lord, you're putting together a structure for thinking and thinking appropriate as we learn to walk in unhindered trust. Okay, so um, Luke 8, let me find, um, where's the beginning of it? It's a big old chapter. Verse 11. Jesus had just given, um, it was Luke's version of the whole thing about the different types of ground and scattering the seed and all of that, okay? And so then Jesus comes and he says, here then is the deeper meaning of my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The word of God is the seed. And I want to add to that, it's the seed of God. Okay, so words are seeds. All words are seeds. In other words, when you speak, when you begin to um, sow into people's lives, you're going to be sowing something. You're, you, you might be sowing relationship. Well, if you're angry or you don't like a person or you're judging them, you could be sowing words into their life that are building a really lousy relationship. In other words, it's building not 
relationship. It's building division. I mean, we do that a lot, don't we? We judge the world. And then instead of building a measure of relationship where we can be a bridge and God can walk across it, we begin to build something that repels them and makes them think, I don't want to be around those people anyways. Right? No condemnation. We're learning, right? So the words are seed. And then therefore, we can plant something good or something bad. Now, remember, you're the first garden where you plant seeds. You know, if I say all the time, you're not a very good teacher and you don't know how to teach and, and you know, you just talk a bunch of stuff and they don't know what you're talking about. I mean, because if you think the enemy doesn't say stuff like that to me, I mean, hello. I mean, he likes to make us feel insecure about what we do. But I learned a long time ago, I was like, I had the best spiritual father for me, and he was a man of excellence in ministry. And so early on, I started saying, I'm being raised by an excellent minister, by a man who walks in the uncompromised word. Thank you, Jesus, that that's the type of minister I'm going to be. I'm going to be somebody who's going to be authentic and someone who can teach the word of God. And that's how I stepped into a teaching calling was I couldn't, I was very insecure. I was scared spitless to speak in public, guys. I wanted to be an intercessor and hide in the closet. I thought I'll be with Sandy Hyde forever, just praying for living faith. I didn't want to take a public ministry. I was like, are you kidding me? I can talk to friends and stuff, but don't put me on it. Oh, I was so scared at first. I want to be so honest with you guys, okay? I was so scared to speak in public that I had to be cautious what I ate for days before I would teach in public because food would mess up my digestive tract. And how many of you know, you can't do restroom breaks when you're standing behind a podium. So I had to make sure that my stomach and everything was settled and I could stand for an hour and teach. You see, see, these are things you like, you don't know what people go through in life. You like think, oh, they're all confident and all this. You know, I would have thoughts like, you're going to have a, so, a so-and-so attack right in the middle of your preaching. I would think that, and I'd be like, well, don't eat anything spicy. And sometimes I wouldn't eat, like, the day, the whole day. I'd be like, well, then you got low blood sugar. I mean, how, how do you win and stuff like that? So God's like, I will show you how to trust me. Do you know I still don't like to talk in pub? I mean, like, I like this kind of because I've learned to rely on the anointing, but, like, recently... What was it? Maybe a couple of years ago, I was asked to say something at a wedding or something. No, I was asked to speak at a funeral of a family member. It's like, nah. Gosh. And then I felt so guilty later because the person's son spoke, and I didn't. Anyways, it's neither here nor there. No condemnation. I know that's right. But I'm just saying, sometimes you think, well, those people just, they get it. I don't always get it. Why do you think I'm, he gives me these kind of things? Because he knows, well, why, if you're going to meditate to teach, you're going to meditate for your own well-being too. Okay, so let's go to verse 15 too, because this is cool. So we see that it, the seed is the word of God. Verse 15, let me find it, because this Passion Translation, you can't hardly see this stuff. Okay, so verse 15 says, The seed that fell into good ground, fertile soil represents those Lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts, they respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. So I'm saying to you tonight, as we delve into this, keep some of these truths close 
meditate, ponder them, because Jesus is teaching here, the seed is the word of God. If you'll take the word of God, there are things that the word of God will do deep inside you. And while it's doing it, you may not know it's happening. I didn't understand some of the things God was doing inside of me to prepare me to be unafraid to take public ministry. But it helped me, not just in ministry, but across my life. I mean, how are you going to be afraid of humans and share the gospel? I mean, come on, guys. Right? Okay, we're going to keep going. Philippians 4. Let's go to Philippians 4. I'm telling you, you can ponder in any of these places, and God will change your mind about a lot of things. Philippians chapter 4. Um, I'm starting at verse 6. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Sometimes it's hard to offer requests with gratitude when you're thinking like, well, I don't see nothing happening. How am I supposed to manifest gratitude, right? Anybody ever feel that, think that way? Well, I'm the only one. That's okay. I mean, we're human, you do understand that humanity can have frailties. You don't have to feel like you're a huge sinner because you have certain human feelings. You're human. Um, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life, not just the cute Christian-y looking one churchy stuff. Tell him all the details of your life. Tell him where you don't understand what he's doing or not doing. Tell him if you're feeling a little disappointed, it doesn't look to me like you're moving according to how I'm praying. Talk to him. Talk to him for real. I've encouraged people through the years, if, if I say something and it, it hurts your feelings or it bugs you, come talk to me. Because sometimes I don't know if I've offended you or whatever unless you tell me. Well, God wants us to go ahead and puke it out. He already knows what you're thinking. I mean, isn't that the thing? God knows what we're thinking. He's omniscient. So it's like, oh, I don't want to shock God. You ain't going to shock him. <laughs> Like he knew before you even thought it that you were going to think that. He knew where you were going to end up disappointed or whatever. He already knew. And he's like, when you get there, just come talk to me. It's kind of like we tell our kids, you know, someday you're going to fall in love and you're going to get married. And you're going to be so excited at the beginning and, and it's going to be honeymooning. And then the honeymoon's going in. And you're going to have real life. If you need to talk, let me know. Well, God says the same kind of stuff. I'm putting you on planet Earth. I put you in mommy's womb. Mommy and daddy are going to take good care of you. Then you're going to be out on your own. You're going to have your own thoughts, and some of them are going to drive you nuts. Sometimes people will. Come talk to me. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is fleshing some things out. Some of it is in relationship where he's manifesting with us. Some of that we recognize because we go to the written word and we find out the character and nature of God and what he intended our relationship with his son to be like. Cool? So he'll make answers known through Jesus Christ. So keep, here's the key stuff, verse 8, okay? So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, 
merciful, and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Doesn't mean that our feelings are going to change like that, but it does say begin to own your thought processes. Begin to rein them in. You see, this is the disciplines that I was talking about. We sometimes have to again and again. If y'all had any idea, some of the stuff that goes on in here. Like, you look at me and you might think, she seems like she's doing really good. And sometimes I feel crazier than a loon. I mean, I've literally sat with God before and said, Jesus, you are my sanity right now. You know, especially for a mom, um, and something happens with your kids. And it and it's, Jesus, I seriously need you right now to govern my thinking and help me keep my feet stable. As parents, sometimes we just wish it would happen to us, not them. Okay, you still with me? So pondering the truth will literally deal with anxiety. And if you look in um, the New King James or the King James, it says be anxious for nothing. That passage of scripture, that's how it starts, be anxious for nothing. That word anxious is merimneo. And you know what it is? It's a divided mind. That's what anxiety is, a divided mind. Revelation, if you got nothing else tonight. Do you know how powerful that is? God says, if you will ponder the truth, if you will ponder the truth, if you'll go to the scriptures, he will begin to set things in order. Sometimes going to the scriptures can feel rigid. It can feel like, I'm just reading chapters and verses. Yes, but that's the beginning of the process. When you do, I have a friend that loves um, jigsaw puzzles, and she was she posted something recently, and I love the words and how she posted it on Instagram. But anyway, she talked about, you know, life is the same way. Sometimes you put all the ones that you know where the puzzle pieces go, like the edge, and um, you think, oh, good. But then the middle stuff, and it's all the same color, but different shapes. And you're like, I don't know how to sort this out. Doesn't life feel like that sometimes? Like you thought it was going to be all beautiful, and God gave you his word, and or you got a prophetic word. Somebody spoke this over you, and you thought it would just happen. And, and God's like, well, Let me build some things in you so there'll be a place for that word to come to pass. It's kind of like conceiving a baby. It happens in a fit of passion. (laughs) And then you do nine months of pregnancy, and then the rest of their lives loving them and having trouble sleeping when their lives aren't fine. But all you wanted was a baby in your arms. (laughs) So God says, you want a beautiful, abundant life? (laughs) get pregnant get pregnant with truth in your soul inside of you get pregnant with the words that will bring you back when crazy hits because I'm going to tell you what guys crazy is going to hit on planet earth it's going to hit so anxiety anxiousness is a divided mind it's a mind that and that James taught that too he said you you have trouble receiving in faith not because God withholds from us when we're like a wave tossed, you know, in James where he teaches that, you know, don't be like the wave tossed to and fro, going back and forth. If you're a man of two minds and you're sometimes thinking God is good and sometimes thinking, I think he hates me, and you're vacillating back and forth, it's not that he's withholding goodies from us, it's that we can't hold on to them 
because we're like thrashing around saying, I don't know, is it good? Is it not good? I don't know. Life feels like that, doesn't it? Please don't think, I mean, I know life feels like that. Okay. Second Peter. We're going to Second Peter. I just got a few more. Five minutes. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe a couple minutes over. Um, Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Um, and I'm starting at verse one, doing one through four in, um, again, the Passion Translation. This letter is from Simon Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. His divine power actually is faith, his faith. He entrusted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's crazy trust, guys, that God chose to put everything that pertains to life and godliness inside of mankind to be lived out of our lives on planet Earth. That's pretty cool. That's a lot of trust. He trusts us with the manifestation of his goodness. Come on, guys. That, that like should motivate us to say, Lord, teach me. Teach me, Jesus. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. That's what learning is. We're coming to him in a manifestation of his goodness. He's chosen to give us the Holy Spirit who will teach us every moment of every day with every breath. Don't ever think that God is far from you. Holy Spirit lives in you to teach you, to guide you, to comfort you, to calm you down when you're crazy and you want to beat somebody up. Holy Spirit can handle that. He's not shocked at you and thinking you're just such a naughty Christian. No, he's like, that's why I'm here, Kathy. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. Oh my goodness sakes, alive. See, trouble with a lot of church people is we think churchy stuff is what he's talking about. No, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than church attendance and being a cute Christian. And it's more beautiful than that. We've diminished it to just legalism. Huh? Do you think we have sometimes? Please, Jesus, help us. So you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So the working of the word inside of you, all of these things are so that we can begin to operate and manifest a divine nature. Do you understand? You have a new nature. You aren't really, you're crazy, <laughs> we all feel crazy. We think crazy stuff. That's not who you are. You are of God. He claimed us. He says, you're my offspring. You're created in my image. I personally have learned to look at humans, all humans differently with that truth that mankind is created in the image of God. 
Just many have no idea that they are of God. I didn't say that they're saved already. I just said they're of God. Hear my heart. If we would look at them differently, they might understand that salvation really is the saving of our thought processes to realize God cares. He's not judging man. Okay, so that's already happened. That's all the divine promises, the faith, everything is already given to us. Um, Now I want to go quickly into um, Ephesians 6, such a familiar passage, um, often really misused, um, not a judgment, just an observation. Um, We're going to look at the armor of God. Verse 10, now by my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. You know, a lot of that comes at our brain. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of, and this says demon gods and evil spirits. That sounds so creepy, doesn't it? But, I mean, it it is darkness. Um, That hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. There's a promise there, guys. I mean, will we really take the scripture that way? Put on truth. Now, this is going to tell you about the armor, but before I even talk about the armor, can you give me four extra minutes so I can finish this? Don't take it off. Don't don't take it off. You know, like if you take it off and put it on, like why? The truth that God's giving us is for us to wear as our existence, not just some suit of clothing, you know, like Sunday clothes. I'm going to put the armor on. You better put it on when you come to church. Put on truth as a, I I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Put on truth. It was kind of tongue in cheek because some Christians can be mean. Mm. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Truth holds the the belt that the soldiers wore. It held their pants up. I'm going to tell you, the enemy would like to pull your pants off. You'd be running around naked looking like a lunatic. He doesn't care. But you have to see what God is saying here. Put on the belt of truth. Like wear truth around you to hold yourself together. My sanity comes from truth. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. You know, in the King James, it's, it's the, the um, breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, like, that's they always would shoot for with a soldier. They shoot for the heart, man. You just, just get them in the heart and they're done. Or the head. That's why, you know, helmet of salvation. Think about it. But just wear, like, your holiness. You're not holy because you behave good. You're holy because he says, I've set you apart into that place called whole, holy, Nate did a great teaching on that. Gee, Manico. 
stand on your feet, alert, like stand on your feet, be at peace and stand up like a powerful human. Stand, feel alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. It's not some little shield like hold it out there, you know, and the little dart's coming at you. I'm going to tell you what, faith is like getting into an armored car. When you're trusting God, your butt is not uncovered. It's not just a faith out here. I better see the devil coming or I'm not going to be safe. No, when you're walking in faith, you've got this wraparound thing where God's got your backside. We always think I better know the devil's coming. No, when you're trusting God, there are things he'll protect you from that you didn't even know got near you. Um, Shield of faith, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. When it says you're a lunatic, you don't know what you're doing. You'll never make it on this planet. You'll never make it through this. Your family member will not be okay. And therefore, you won't be okay. There's all kinds of lies that come at our brain. The helmet of salvation, even when things don't turn out the way that we thought they would, the helmet of salvation will keep you. It'll keep you. I'm telling you, it'll keep you. And take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word. The spoken word. That's what we're talking about here tonight, the spoken word. God has armored our lives so that we can walk safely each day in whatever unfolds in our life. Like I said, don't take it off. Romans 8, 7. Um, I'm just going to share with you the impetus of that. I encourage you to go to it and and look at it in both the New King James and in the Passion Translation because it it speaks about the natural mind left to itself is at odds with God. It's, It's at odds. It's not subject. And I think one of the things that we have to learn as we're learning about trusting God is learning how to subject our thought life to the truth of God. How do we tuck it under what God says? How do we keep it tucked under what God says? And that, um, that word subject in that word in the, um, original is hupotasso, and it means to stand under. It means subordination. Subordination. You know, we do that at work sometimes. We have to be subordinate to our bosses. Well, God says, if you're subordinate to me, You know, like, I'm not trying to make you just be obedient kids legalistically. If you will tuck yourself under what I'm telling you, ultimately, I will bring your mind to a place where you can actually trust me and believe that what I'm telling you can happen, can happen. The picture is not simply rigid obedience, but protection through obedience. Protection through obedience. And then James 4, 7, um, says, you know, to resist the devil and he'll flee, to submit to God. And so I want to end with this. When, if you will, as we're studying faith, studying unhindered trust, if you will submit yourself into things that God says to your heart on Wednesday nights, and then he'll probably cause you to hear things differently on Sunday. He will put Sunday and Wednesday together and your Bible study at home. I encourage you, go to some of these scriptures 
If you don't understand, say, God, I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say to me through your word, but I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to go to your word. I'm going to subordinate my thinking, even though I feel like it's not helping me. But you say, if you'll tuck yourself with me. And so I'm going to submit myself to your word. The power of James 4, 7 is that when you submit yourself, you see, sometimes we try to resist, but we haven't submitted. And there's no strength for resistance. And we're like, I don't know why I'm tired. I don't know why I can't get a grip on what's happening in my life. But we've not literally first tucked ourselves in covenant trust with God and with biblical truth. I'm going to tell you, it may feel like it takes time, but this word will utterly destroy darkness in your life. This word is the healing power of God because you learn who God is when you go to his word. And when you, you discipline and have a discipline, Lord, I, I'm still not, I'm not catching things. When I came here and had so much to unlearn, there were years of unlearning. And so some things I just began to trust God by trusting the leader I had that was teaching me because most everything in the early days that he taught contradicted everything I'd been raised on. But deep in here, deep inside, something seemed right. Because I was always told God was good, have a personal relationship with him. But there was nothing personal about ticking boxes and going to church. And I came here and things changed. And so I kept going to the Word. And bit by bit, I started feeling like all the tension started to release. And when the lies would hit my brain, I had an answer to come back to them. And I began to feel myself say, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be okay. No, our family's going to be okay. No, God is good. Even when things unfolded that didn't happen exactly like I thought they should, still God is good. And so I promise you, if you will just yield into what's, what's going to happen here at So, listen to, you know, different teachers are going to teach. Listen to the testimonies in our prayer time. Watch what happens in our worship tonight as everybody was releasing their hearts to God. God was with us in this room. Think about even how the musical aspect started because John sang from the scriptures to us. He was brave. There's things happening that the word is doing. And some of it is the maturing of this house in the fullest sense of our call. And you're a part of that. How beautiful is that? Father, we just honor you. We love you. We thank you that you always want to teach us and guide us properly. I thank you, Father, that no matter what has transpired tonight, that when each man and woman leaves this room, no condemnation will come on them, no guilt, none of those creepy feelings, that it's just that you've accepted us and you're teaching us and you're guiding us. And so we accept and agree with the working of your word. Your word is working in all of us to will and do of your pleasure, God. You want us healthy and whole and safe. You want us to feel sane, not crazy. And so I give you praise, Father, for everything that each individual in this room brings each week. Thank you for their commitment. Thank you, Father, that you really are doing something among us. We just honor you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week here.